Hello. We're going to do the reading from 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17 to 27, and it's titled David's Lament for Saul and Jonathan. David took up this lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan and ordered that the men of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. It is written in the book of Jashar. Your glory, O Israel, lies slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. O mountains of Goboa, may you have neither dew nor rain, nor fields that yield offerings of grain, for there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, the sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and gracious, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep for Saul who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. How the mighty have fallen. The weapons of war have perished. Amen. Thank you, Fiona. In the papers a few weeks ago, we were told about an elderly gentleman from Norwich by the name of Philip Hewitson. Mr. Hewitson was on his way to bed when his wife told him he'd left a light on in the garden shed. As the elderly man opened his back door and ventured into the garden, he suddenly stopped as he noticed two people in his shed rummaging through his things. So he quickly returned to his house and called the police. The police dispatcher asked him, is anyone actually in your home? No, he replied, they're in my garden shed stealing my tools. At that, the police officer said, well, all our patrols are busy at the moment. You should lock all your doors and an officer will be along as soon as one is available. Mr. Hewitson said, okay. He put down the phone. He then waited a few minutes before calling the police station again. Hello, he said. This is Mr. Hewitson. I called a couple of minutes ago and told you about two people who are in my shed stealing my tools. Well, I rung to tell you not to bother coming as I've taken my shotgun and just shot them both. And with that, he hung up. Five minutes later, there was a police helicopter hovering over his home, an armed police response unit on his drive, two police cars, a paramedic, an ambulance, and two fire stations, all with blue lights flashing. And they caught both the uh, burglars red-handed. And as the two criminals were being bundled into the back of a patrol car, a police inspector rushed up to Mr. Hewitson and said, Mr. Hewitson, Mr. Hewitson, you said you had shot them. Yes, Inspector, said the old man. And you said there was no one available. <laughs> Stories like Mr. Hewitson, coupled with the many reports we hear day by day of knife crime, of gang culture, and the talk about snowflakes, might reasonably lead some of us to despair about our current generation and about our current culture. Yet I want to reassure you today that there's a continuity between the past and the present of which we can be justly proud. 
And this especially is seen in the military context. You see, the spirit of sacrifice still prevails in the 21st century. And today there are hundreds of young men and women who are proudly serving their country, displaying all the ethos and courage of the past that we are here today to honour and respect. Soldiers, airmen and naval ratings, who just 12 months ago were in the schools and colleges around this country, are now serving their country to bring peace and stability in war zones and places of conflict, and have been very active even recently during the days of this pandemic. Our text from the Old Testament is equally from an ancient culture. It's a poignant piece of prose written by an old Hebrew soldier called King David of Jerusalem. It is in fact a lament that goes by the ancient name of the Song of the Bow. In this evocative eulogy, we see the heart of Israel's king laid bare and he speaks of three things. He speaks first of his pain, he then speaks of his pride and then gives us a picture of courage that befits this service of remembrance and any service of remembrance. King David first speaks of the pain, the pain. He writes in verse 26, How I weep for you, my brother Jonathan. Oh, how much I loved you, and your love for me was deep. Jonathan was King Saul's, Saul's eldest son and had been a lifelong friend of David. In fact, several times Jonathan had even saved David's life. But now Jonathan and his father, King Saul, were dead. Their bodies lay upon the small mountain of Gilboa on the plain of Jezreel. There they'd, been, there they'd fought a valiant retreat against overwhelming odds, eventually being overrun by determined and ruthless enemy. And so David gives voice to the aching pain in his heart. And he makes a repeating lament. He says, your glory, O Israel, lays slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. How the mighty have fallen. And this is our lament today. We're saddened at the cost of human conflict we're sad at this cost and the price that peace so often costs us as people. Peace achieved by the many who fell during the battles of the past to bring about peace in this world. And the pain for some of us is not just the dull pain of a historical battle, long, distant and past. It's a wound that still weeps. And you remember names and faces once so familiar to us. It is the pain of both past and recent operations. And like our World War I and World War II veterans, we know the faces behind those named, names carved in Portland stone. And so we carry in our minds and the images of people we knew and lament for comrades, friends, and people we served alongside, those we liked and even those we loved. This pain shows us the cost of military service and the very real price of peace. So today we remember out of respect for them and their loved ones and we chant how the mighty have fallen. However, the picture that David paints for us here is not only one of pain, it's also deeply tinged with pride, the pride. 
He writes in verse 19, Your pride and joy, O Israel, lie dead on the hills. How the mighty heroes are fallen. And again in verse 22, Both Saul and Jonathan killed their strongest foes, but did not return from battle empty-handed. From July 2006, a fire support team of the 3rd Battalion of the Parachute Regiment held a high ridge feature in the northern sector, sector of Helmand Province, Afghanistan, very close to the Kajaki Dam. On the 6th of September 2006, the leader of a sniper patrol tasked with engaging a group of Taliban fighters operating on the principal highway was heading down the steep slope when he initiated a mine and sustained severe injuries. Hearing that blast and seeing it from a distance on the top of the ridge, Corporal Mark Jones of Free Para gathered a number of men and rushed down the slope to assist. Realising that the casualty was likely to die before a full mine clearance could be effected, Mark Wright unhesitantly led his men into that minefield. And exercising effective and decisive command, he directly directed the medical orderlies towards the injured soldiers and ordered all those unnecessary personnel to remain outside the minefield. He called for a helicopter and ordered a route to be cleared through the minefield to the new landing site. Unfortunately, the soldier leading this task, whilst moving back through a route he believed he had cleared, stepped on another mine and suffered a traumatic amputation. Corporal Mark Wright, again at enormous personal risk, immediately moved to the new casualty and began rendering life-saving assistance before another medical orderly could take over. Very calmly, Mark Wright ordered all the non-essential personnel to stay out of the minefield and continued to move around that minefield to control and contain the incident. He sent accurate reports to his headquarters and ensured that the correct medical equipment was put on the next helicopter. Shortly after, a medical helicopter arrived, but as Corporal Wright stood up, he initiated a third mine, which seriously injured him and one of the orderlies. The remaining medical orderly began treating Corporal Wright, but himself was wounded by another mine blast, a fourth mine blast, causing further injury to both Corporal Wright and the others. There were now seven casualties in that minefield. Three of them had lost limbs. And despite this horrific situation and the serious injuries he had for himself, Corporal Mark Wright continued to command and control the incident. He remained constantly for the, con uh, conscious for the majority of the time. He continued to shout encouragement of those around him, even maintaining his sense of humor. Sadly, Mark Wright died on evacuation uh, helicopter on his way back to Bastion. And later his courage was recognized by him being awarded the George Cross. We can be rightly proud of soldiers like these and be inspired by their example and their courage and their sacrifice. But our remembrance just doesn't end there. It involves the pain, it involves the pride, but lastly, Remembrance gives us a picture, the picture. David writes in verse 23, How beloved and gracious were Saul and Jonathan. They were together in life and in death. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. 
And their picture serves as an example of self-sacrifice and commitment to the goal of justice and peace. Jesus said in John 15 verse 13, greater love has no man than this, but he laid down his life for his friends. And remembrance service like these serve to paint for us a picture upon the canvas of history, a picture of courage, of self-sacrifice, of love for fellow man that should inspire our hearts and motivate our behavior. We and our society need to look at this picture. In a hedonistic age of self-fulfillment and self-seeking, which values the me more than the you, the I more than the us, we need to be reminded of the selflessness of these men and women who gave their all to the benefit of others. Just before the end of the First World War, the President of France was visiting a military hospital on the Western Front, and he came across a French veteran of the trenches who only had one arm. The President looked at the grievously disabled soldier and said, my friend, how did you lose your arm? The old soldier looked surprised and said, my President, I didn't lose my arm, I gave it for France. Our many memorials to the dead of war don't speak so much of loss as of sacrifice. These services give us a picture of courage, of selfless commitment and of heroic resistance. And Christ too gave us that picture upon the cross, which he embraced on our behalf. Jesus died because he allowed himself to be taken and executed upon a grim instrument of torture, a cross. He knew this to be his earthly fate. He was under no illusions as to what it would mean to be the Son of God living on earth. He died deliberately for you and for me. Not a tragedy, but a sacrifice because of his love for us. This is why he said, greater love is no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. If we call ourselves Christian, then we follow Christ's example upon that cross and should lay down our lives and live sacrificial lives in this world. But even if we don't use that label, in our remembrance, we have many pictures of courage and sacrifice that we need to allow to inform our lives in this present generation. So let's remember with pain. Let's remember with pride. And may this picture inspire us to live lives of courage and self-sacrifice, putting others first so that we don't tarnish the memory of the fallen mighty. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen in battle. Amen. And so we now stand and we say to God an act of commitment. Let us pledge ourselves anew to the service of God and our fellow man, that we may help, encourage and comfort others, and support those working for the relief of, needy, of the needy and for the peace and welfare of all peoples of this world. So we say together, Lord God our Father, we pledge ourselves to serve you and all mankind 
in the cause of peace, for the relief of want and suffering, and for the praise of your name. Guide us by your Spirit, give us wisdom, give us courage, give us hope, and keep us faithful now and always. Amen.